born to die that he might give eternal life that I might live Welcome to Yankee Arnold Ministries. Dr. Arnold will be with you in just a moment, but first, we want you to know how much we appreciate your prayers and financial support. You may help this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Again, that's 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Feel free to send Dr. Arnold your questions or comments to yankee at yankeearnold.com, and he will respond as quickly as possible. Now, here is Dr. Arnold with today's message. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 7. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. Remember, you sow bitterness, you're going to reap bitterness. You sow jealousy, you reap that. You sow hatred, you reap that. Whatever you sow, you're going to reap. But a man who sows joy will reap joy. And it won't matter what other people say or do, because joy is a fruit of the Spirit that comes from within, not from without. And it doesn't matter sometimes about even your health conditions. And you may have to go through all kinds of things physically, but you'll know that body that you have with all of its weaknesses and the sicknesses and the cancer and all the, you name you know, that body belongs to God. And sometimes not all doctors, not all the hospitals, not all the medicine can change anything. And sometimes you have to live with it. And sometimes you'll have to suffer the consequences. And sometimes you're going to die. We're all going to die one of these days, and it won't matter. We're trying now the best we know how to extend our life as long as we can. And we pray that we'll have a tranquility of peace, you know, extended just a little while longer. But the day will come when nothing will work. In that little statement up there, wrong motive is what makes prosperity materialism. You see, Solomon was rich when he was younger, and he was right with God. But there's nothing wrong with riches. Abraham was a rich man. There's nothing wrong with riches. It's whenever you fall in love with your riches. It's when that means more to you than anything else in the world. There's nothing wrong in having nice things. Use it for the Lord. This belongs to the Lord. When you get in your car, that car belongs to the Lord. That's God's car. It ought not go where it ought not go. It ought not carry what it ought not carry. You see, there's a lot of things you can have and you can enjoy. God's not against that. But that's not a sign of spirituality. A man can be poor and have absolutely nothing and be spiritually and godly with God. And some people can have a lot of material possessions and not be right with God. That's not a good judge of whether a man is right with God or not. Because you may be healthy today, he says, because I'm so spiritual. You may be on your deathbed tomorrow. Is it because in the last 24 hours you got ungodly? For if you sow to the flesh, you shall reap of the flesh corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. So when we sow, and we sow the Word of God, we have people, fruit, 
that will live forever. It's better to walk with God and have fruit that will remain, as he says in John 15. People that will have eternal life. Are you not ye my glory, my joy at the coming of Jesus Christ when that day comes? You reap in the same proportion as you sow. He says, give and it shall be given unto you. See, most people in life, all they want to do is get. Get. As they used to say, I regret that I've only got one life to give to my country. But if you want to serve God, you have to plant before you expect to reap. Sow the seed, and he says, those who sow in tears will come rejoicing. The day will come when you'll see the people that you've led to the Lord. One day when we get to heaven, we'll see the result of all of our sacrifice, and it will be worth it all. He says, it's like having a big old basket. And you go to a farmer's market, and you say, I want a basket full. And it shall be given unto you, good measure, pressed down, shake it a little bit, running over, shall men give unto your bosom. For with the same measure that you meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. In other words, you want God to bless you, then do that which brings God's blessings. Be a blessing to people. You want to be blessed? Be a blessing. Encourage people. Pray for people. Exhort people. Challenge people. And you'll be surprised how that those same people down the road will be challenging you. Sometimes when I have felt down and so low, I'll get a phone call from somebody that picks me right up. It just happened the other day. That's such a blessing. And that can bring joy to you. When you see some of the results that are coming. Giving is a proof of your love for the Lord. Christ was the proof of God's love. God so loved the world that he gave. And he is the proof of God's love. I even wrote a song about that. But giving is a proof of your love for the Lord. Now, the body belongs to God, and everything that I have is supposed to belong to God. In this verse, I speak not by commandment, but by occasion of the forwardness of others, and to prove the sincerity of your love. This is mentioned in the book of 2 Corinthians in chapter 8. The whole chapter is awesome. To prove the sincerity of your love. You see, how we live, how we give, reveals something about our love for God. If I love God, I will not be afraid to give. If you're afraid to give because you question whether God's going to take care of everything, that's because you doubt God. You don't think God's way is not going to work. And then you live in fear. So if you only had just a few seeds, do you eat them or do you plant them? It's a good story. Do I eat these or do I plant these? And see, some people are afraid to plant because they think God's not going to come through. And so they worry. And God says, you so sparingly you will reap what? Sparingly, but if you sow bountifully, you will reap bountifully. God says that in 1 Corinthians to the church, to you and I. Here is God's proof. And this follows verse 8. It's not in another book. There in next verse. For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet he became poor, 
that we, through his poverty, might be made rich. Because God says, I want you to be rich. He was willing to become poor. So he came into this world. And look what he could have had in this world. He made it. And he tells us, we got a mansion waiting on us, and we're going to walk on streets of gold. And it's going to be a city that's got 12 foundations, gates of pearl, all the things that it's going to have for us, a river of life. Something that it's hard for us even to imagine. But God given us just a little taste of it. Now, the principle of worship is involved in stewardship. In other words, as he told Israel, if you love me, if you love me, serve me. When they asked him, what is the first commandment? Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, body, soul, and mind. Love the Lord. And then love your neighbors yourself. See, love is the fulfillment of the law. God didn't say the law was bad. It's just that we can't fulfill it in the flesh because the flesh doesn't love God. But the Holy Spirit living within us. Once you've trusted Christ as our Savior, and if you love the Lord, then you can do everything else that God wants you to do. But love is the key. But if you don't love God, everything that God wants you to do is drudgery. It's a boredom. It's, it just drags you down. It's like a law. But the freedom... To serve God as much as you want. To be as dedicated as you want to be. So he says in Deuteronomy 26.10, And now, behold, I have brought the first fruits of the land which thou, O Lord, hast given me. In other words, he's only given back a part of what God has blessed him with. And therefore, he's talking about in the last part of that verse, worship before the Lord. Your worship through the Lord is done also through your giving, not just through your living, and how you guard your life. But as, as a child of God, we're taught in God's word to give, 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 give. To give love, to give peace, to give joy. Not rendering evil for evil. But it says in Psalms 29 and verse 2, Give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. God is do this. And so by loving the Lord, I am to give because giving is a form of worship. It's an expression of our love to the Lord. Keep this in mind. We've already taken the offering, so I'm not talking about taking up another offering. I'm not God. I don't care what you do with your money. I don't care how much you give, you don't give. Because my giving and your giving is an individual, personal thing between me and God. I don't go and check the books and see how you're doing. But I know somebody who is keeping the books. I know Jesus, he talked to his disciples, when they went to the treasury, and he says, and he was sitting there watching to see what people put in. And this one little woman had just a little bit of money. And some of those rich Pharisees had a lot of money. He says, she gave more than they did. She gave more than what they did. Do you think God's watching to see what we do with whatever we have? I think so. God has always had a place for his people to give. Under the law. The temple. We're not under the law. And I'm so glad. But there was a place in Malachi in 3 and verse 10 said, Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house, and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there should not be room enough to receive it. You see, it's God who can cause it not to rain. 
But because of the disobedience of God's people, God shut the windows of heaven. And because they had robbed the temple, they robbed the Levites. And though they didn't do their job. And so God wasn't blessing the nation of Israel. He says, if you want to be blessed, he says, you bring your tithe, what you owe, under the law, which we're not under. You bring them, they'll have enough, and he says, and I'll open up the window, and I'll bless you in all the other areas. In other words, you simply give that tithe, and he says, and I'll bless that 90% that you have left over, more than if you'd have kept the whole 100%. But even though there's a biblical principle there that's found even in the book of First Corinthians in chapter 9, he says, doth not even the law says, do not muzzle the ox that treadeth out the corn. That law, that's Old Testament, but it's in the book in the New Testament because of the principle of giving. And so people can do whatever they want. Now when it comes to the church, God has always had a place for his people to give. Under grace, it's through the local church. So God set up a system for us. We're not under the law. When I talk about tithe, that's just a determined set of what a person is going to do. It generally means a tenth of whatever you make. And in some cases in the Old Testament, it was 20%. And in some cases, there's 30%. So there's all kinds. And then there was the temple tax, of which Jesus also paid the temple tax. And anybody that was over 20 years of age... That's why we believe that Jesus and Peter had to pay that tax, but it doesn't say about the others, so they must have been teenagers. Jesus was a youth worker. But anyway, under the grace, this, the church, the church is not the storehouse, nor are we limited by the tithe. You see, that's what they had to do. You can do whatever you want, but I don't like being limited by the tithe. I may use the word tithing, and a lot of people who give use the word tithing, but it's your set fixed amount that you give based upon whatever you make, and it is progressive. You make more, you can give more. You make less, you can give less. And sometimes people don't even like to discuss that because they feel like the preacher's always harping on money. You come to this church, and in nine years, you've never heard me always harping on money. I preach week after week after week after week and Sunday morning and Sunday night and I do not beg people to give anything. Am I telling you the truth? But is it taught in the Bible? Am I responsible to teach you regardless of whether you want to hear it or not hear it? You might as well sit still because the doors are locked. You ain't getting out. <laughs> well, not really. Because it's stewardship. Because see, if God gets you then God doesn't have a problem getting from you that which he wants. And the closer you get to the Lord, the more you're going to want to do for the Lord, however it may be. But I can't believe that all of God's children are not responsible for carrying out the work of the Lord. I believe everybody can do something and should do something. Whether or not, isn't it God's will for you to read his word? Is it God's will for you to pray? God's will for you to witness? God's will for you to meet together. All of that is included in this thing called stewardship. We belong to the Lord. And as he says here, Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I have given order to the churches of Galatia, even so do ye. You do the same thing. Then he says in 1 Corinthians 16 too, Upon the first day of the week, 
Anybody know when the first day of the week is? That's Sunday. Let most of you, what, what does it say? Let every one of you lay by him in store as God hath prospered him, that there be no gatherings when I come. See, Paul would make his circles to the churches that he founded. And they would take up special offerings and give it to Paul as a missionary to go to different places. And at one time, the saints in Jerusalem sold everything they have so they could get the gospel out and they sent out missionaries. And next thing you know, they had a famine and now the saints got rid of everything they had. Now they don't have anything to eat. So then they took up money to help those poor saints. And it was for the purpose of the church sending out missionaries. There is a responsibility that we have to fulfill. Stewardship begins with the giving of ourselves. Because if God doesn't give, you keep your money. Because you won't give it for the right reason. There is a relationship between stewardship and spirituality. Because, you see, when you're right with the Lord, giving is not a problem. Giving is a problem when you're not right with the Lord. When you don't love Him, you don't care what He wants. But when you love Him and you trust Him, then you can do anything He asks you to do. When's the last time God spoke to you and told you what to do? Are you sensitive? Do you listen? Do you want to know the will of God? What do you want me to do with my life? In this verse, and this they did, 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 5. Not as we hope, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. In other words, he's talking about here in Macedonia and the Corinthians. They were so poor. And he hadn't mentioned this so that because they were so poor, they still, they gave liberally. In other words, so that they could reach other people. And he says to those Corinthian Christians, you need to do the same thing and you need to grow in the same grace that they've done. And so much that we desired Titus that as he had begun, so he would also finish in you and giving is a grace. Giving is a grace. In other words, because I love the Lord, I will do this or I will do that. And God will bless. Stewardship expresses our thanksgiving. Stewardship is a grace. For the administration of this service not only supplieth the want of the saints, but is abundant also by, and you ought to underline this when you get a chance in your Bible, many thanksgivings unto God. Did you know when we do what God wants us to do, all those people who trust Christ as Savior will give thanks to God for you? You have no idea how many people write me letters and call me and say, Yankee, I'm so thankful for you because you led me to the Lord. You led me to the Lord. You led me to the Lord. And some of them I don't even recall leading them to the Lord. But in verse 13, whilst by the experiment of this administration, they glorify God for your professed subjection unto the gospel. See, when you subject yourself to the power of the gospel, there's people who are going to glorify God because of what you and I do. There's a day coming when we get to heaven, there's going to be people we're going to see in heaven who trust the Lord because of our YouTube ministry and our internet ministry, because of that radio ministry, because of the ranch ministry and the Awana ministry. It's something that maybe even the church. 
it will be worth it all. And the last part of that, and for your liberal distribution, this is the only time I like the word liberal. It means to freely do it, to graciously do it. And the Old Testament even talks about how being fat is such a wonderful thing. It's in the Bible, believe it or not. Being fat is a blessing of God. And everybody said, Amen. Stewardship is a necessity to carry out the Great Commission. Do you believe that? I do. In Philippians 4, 7, he says, Not because I desire gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. We're going to have to give an account to the So you go to work, and you work hard, and you, it took parts of your life to make that money. And then when you take some of that money, and you give it to the Lord's work, and somebody gets saved because of that, then that's fruit that will abound to your account. So even though you may not be that preacher, but you're making it possible for somebody to run ranch. Somebody to do this ministry, somebody to do that ministry, somebody to do that ministry. You're having a part in it. But I wanted you to understand the philosophy of why Calvary Community Church does what it does. And then that's why he says, Philippians 4, 19, But my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ. In other words, the ones who give, the ones who say, God said, I'll supply all of your needs. It's not to everybody. It's not to the person who hoards whatever they have, never get involved, never do anything. God didn't say that. He says, my God shall supply your need. Who? Those that give because they want fruit. That will abide. See, God knows the motive of why you do what you do. Stewardship can be an acceptable sacrifice. Now, we know in Romans in chapter 12 and verse 1, he said, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. So there is a sacrifice. Your body is to be used for the Lord's glory. So there's things that you will deny yourself. There's things that you'll do, places you'll go, money that you'll give, and sacrifice something somehow that maybe no other way you have ever done it because of what Christ did for you. And your love motivates you to the point where you couldn't stop it. You just have to do it. And when you give out of a heart of love and because you really want to, that's why the Lord says, He loveth a cheerful giver. Not somebody who begrudge, well, here's, here's a quarter. I hope they get, they're satisfied. You don't satisfy me one way or the other. It's not for me. It's not for him. It's not, it, you have a responsibility, God. And you're going to have to answer to God just like I have to answer to God. For whatever we do with whatever we have. And that's why in that last part of verse Philippians in chapter 4, verse 18, he says, the sacrifice, he says, a odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice, except well-pleasing to God. Did you know how our giving pleases God? Now, I want to dwell here for the next five minutes at least. Regardless of what it does for you personally, Please consider the value of your stewardship toward the Lord through your church. You see, whenever we understand, on our foundation is, is Christ. There's no other foundation laid than that which is Jesus Christ himself. And because of this foundation, then we have another word there mentioned called love. When we love the Lord for what he's done for us, then as a church working together, we give. 
And we give for the gospel's sake, for Jesus' sake. And we don't want to lose sight of that. And our giving, well, it's to help concerning our church needs. And when we talk about the church needs, did you know that God has given us some tremendous facilities here? Do you know these facilities are all paid for? God used Dr. Hank Lindstrom many years, 42 years he was here. And we're sitting here enjoying the work and the labor that somebody else put in. Now, isn't it true that this church and that gymnasium, the property we have, does this belong to the Lord? It doesn't belong to one man. It belongs to the Lord. Should we use it for the Lord? And if we're supposed to use it for the Lord, then we have a responsibility. Did you know that there's a lot of maintenance that has to be done? There's light bills. There's insurance. You'd be surprised all the things keeps breaking down around here. It's getting old like some of us. I was fine for a few years. I didn't have any breakdowns. Now I need a total overhaul. <laughs> and so, but nobody wants to give money to pay a light bill. Who wants to give money to pay on insurance? Those are not glorious, glamorous things. But you see, without the facilities that we have, there's so much we would not be able to do. So this place makes it possible for us to reach out through the ministries that we have. So that's why whenever you look at the church bulletin and you look in there and see the general operating fund, and you know how much we're supposed to have for every week, when you know it's down below that, that's the church needs. And if it stays that way too long, then the church will not have its needs met. You understand that. This is the same principle that happens in your own home, with your own budget, with your own income. And if you have, remember this, if your outgo is greater than your income, then your outflow will be your downfall. You got that? So the church has a responsibility. And if we can keep these facilities we have, we can pay the bills that we have, we can do the ministries that we have. So, yes, with these ministries, we have missionaries. We're supporting missionaries. Do you think the missionaries appreciate the church needs being met? Because you take away the church needs. None of these other ministries will exist. Those missionaries will not be supported. And the ranch will not go. Awana will not go. The YouTube ministries off. Radio down. All the ministries is because we have a good, strong church. So we meet those needs of the church. And through the church, we're able to do all these things that God wants us to do. Now, nobody can make anybody do anything. But God will bless if we're found faithful. So individually, are we accountable to God for what he's done for us? As a church, do we have a responsibility to fulfill the Great Commission? I believe so. I want to do my part as much as I can because I know one day I'm going to have to count to God for it. Do you have a sense of responsibility? Has God told only one person to do this? Or he says every person. And then he says every person on the first day of the week when you come together. Is it God's will that God's people come together on the first day of the week? Yes or no? 
and to lay by him in store as God has prospered him. That's percentage-wise. So whether your tithe means 3%, or maybe it means 8%, maybe your tithe means 12%, whatever you determined that God wants you to do, then you do what God wants you to do. Only do what you believe God wants you to do. Am I being clear? Am I asking you to do something you should not do? No, I'm not. Have you ever heard preachers tell you that you must turn from sins to be saved and go to heaven? Does that mean you must turn from only the big sins or all sins before God will save you? Pastor Yankee Arnold has prepared just the right book with answers straight from the Bible. The book is called Gospel Driven Man, and Pastor Yankee wants to send it to you free of charge. Simply write to Pastor Yankee at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634, and request the book, or request by email at yankee at yankeearnold.com. That's yankee at yankeearnold.com. Thanks for listening to today's broadcast. We pray that today's message was a blessing to you and your family. You may help support this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Friend, one day it will happen. The trumpet will sound and we will be changed caught up to meet the Lord in the air. So live today and every day, believing that the Lord is coming soon, and just keep looking up. Amazing grace amazes me.